Welcome back to The Iceberg. This is the podcast where we skip over all the gloating and all the talk of success, and we dive into the crappy parts of business so that you can avoid some of the pitfalls and crises we've had to endure. Today, I'm joined by my friend Michael Beach, who is on his second business after succeeding in building actually a really big competitor of mine. We discuss the hard parts of building a product-based business. Listen up, because Michael is a really smart dude. So, uh, how's it going? It's good. A little crazy, but good. Yeah. Yeah. And how's the family? Uh, family's good, man. Four kids is a uh, is a lot. So, uh, but yeah, we're all surviving. How are you balancing? And maybe that's the story. Maybe you don't want to get into this yet, but I'll ask anyway because, like, as a father, it's always the first thing on my mind is like, how are you? How are you doing balancing all that? Uh, yeah. I mean, the last like. I mean, I've been traveling a lot, and so uh, Brooke hasn't uh, hasn't killed me in my sleep yet. But stay tuned. So we kind of have a rule in my house—not a hard rule, but two nights away is all, is really all I get before I start getting the texts of like, "Get your ass home." Yeah, yeah, that sounds about. That's my limit. I mean, three's three's a lot. Four, I I can't imagine. That's crazy. Um, so. Before we jump in, man, explain what your business does because it's it's a little different, and I don't think most people would understand this like integration of digital and and TV, or I should say, the convergence of the two. Expl- explain what Cross Screen does. Yeah, so we're one hundred percent focused on the video space, uh, and then at the inside that at the local level. So you've got local video advertising, you have national advertising. So I think nationals, you have the Super Bowl and. You know, the upfronts and and these other areas uh, local is you know uh, the Charleston media market or the you know Columbus Ohio media market and that's really our bread and butter which obviously you know comes out of politics all politics being local um, you know we we solve three component issues so the the planning so how should you actually allocate your uh, budget across you know linear TV and uh, digital video so including connected TV. Um, how should you actually execute it? So buying it's really complicated. So we have a, a you know a buying component to our software, and then actually how do you measure all these together to figure out the impact? And so for us, it's yeah, you know, which audiences do we reach? Which audiences do we still miss? Um, and then you know start to add other in, you know more kind of business outcome like impacts to it. But today it's pr- primarily the challenge is that we've got this consumer they're all over the place, right? They're watching Netflix one minute, TikTok another, the, you know NFL football on Sundays. You know, how should I actually allocate my budget to do that? Uh, and we believe really the buyer of the future is uh, somebody that does all this in one place, right? Because they they, they don't have any conflicts of interest. Um, they argue what's best for the brand and not necessarily what's best for their bottom line at that moment. So they think, you know, the world you and I have been in for a long time, you have a linear buyer, you have a digital buyer, you know, very rarely is the digital buyer like, hey, you should move money over to linear. And, you know, the linear buyer is never like, you know what? We maybe have too much money. You should give more money to the digital buyer. So uh, we really are powering that convergent TV buyer, which is going to do all that together. Yeah, and that's what we're obsessed with because I've always thought one of the biggest problems, and on it, you know, obviously I was one of the earlier guys, as was you on, on digital, is there was always this fight between the digital and the TV guys, and you know they always said digital didn't matter, and we always said that they're old school and they don't understand the future. And you're really taking the argument out of the equation and letting the math and the data drive the decision for the decision maker, right? Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I love the product, man. I mean, we use it for, and I, I, this is a business podcast and I have a political podcast, but a lot of the political guys listen to the business podcast, man. And we use it on every campaign that we can. I love your product because it solves what I thought was the biggest problem. We really use it. I was just trying to sit down and write, like I would say five different places. First is it helps us sell. So on the sales side, when we're pitching clients and then two on the media planning side, three on the actual placements, four on the optimization after we've placed it to figure out kind of what's working and what's not. And then five on the reporting back to the client makes it a lot easier on our end. Is that, is that how you kind of see most of your customers using the product? Yeah. I mean, it's, a, you know, it's really complicated, right? Like it's uh, not an easy problem to solve. You've got so many options. And I think the people that take that data-driven approach and like, let's say you had a, um, you know, huge investment in the college football national championship this week, right? And you were, you happen to have your ad run in the second half of the game. You know, the ratings aren't back yet, but my guess is the second half of that game probably had 50% more people drop off to do other things, right? Once Georgia was up by, you know, 300 points, Um, you know, if you were a customer of ours, you could start to, you, you would reallocate those dollars and say, oh, I'm going to get a refund in two weeks. Like this audience, what else are they going to watch for the next two weeks before, Mm -hmm. You know the um, you know the President's Day sale or whatever upcoming thing you're pushing for, and that's really hard. When before it was like you got your silo, you ran your plan, and that was it, right? And really, like th- things happen that we're not ready for. And if you're taking a data driven approach and you're doing all of it, you can just say, "Oh, well, I moved money over to I actually bought some YouTube that we weren't planning on, or I bought cable we weren't planning on because conditions changed, or our target changed, or pricing changed, which is something we deal with in politics." directly where our rates go crazy and our thing is well let's change behavior right if something doubles in price and you can reach the person somewhere else let's buy the other thing well general market brands that are in political markets have the same problem what they normally do is they just leave the market from you know august 1st until november well really mm-hmm. it's like let's find the things that haven't been impacted by politics yet no i love it man because i'm always asked these questions um from uh Sorry, I've got a, uh, I, Jesus, sorry, man. We're sitting here doing a podcast. One of my coworkers making obscene gestures uh, outside of my window. Scotty Howell actually asked while my partner is in town. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm asked all the time by fellow entrepreneurs, like, what should I do about X? What should I do about Y? And my immediate response is always, well, what data is available to you to like take your emotions and take your gut out of the, this decision-making process, right? Not, not just like political campaigns, but just business itself. There's just so much data globally now. It's really just about, and this is what you're doing, figuring out how do you go and just grab all that data about your industry and putting it into one place that helps you make that decision. And I feel like every decision in business can be can be made based on data if you just go out and figure out where the hell to get that data. Is that kind of where your head's at too? Oh yeah. And, and the thing, you know, <clears throat> everyone kind of looks like it's going to be binary where uh, one day we're all watching linear TV and the next day we're all watching streaming. And really it's a journey, right? To where mm-hmm. you go from watching hundred percent linear TV to watching some streaming and a lot of linear TV. Obviously every day you're watching more and more streaming. Like we see that in the numbers, that's the future. And, and eventually we will be in an environment where we have hundred percent streaming, but really it's, about 60% of consumers today, or probably more than that, are in the what we call a cross-screen bucket, 
which yeah. is they watch both, right? And figuring out the how to allocate your budget to that group is really, really hard. And that's a problem we crush, right? Because that is mm-hmm. where you, your frequency allocation needs to come into. And if you don't take a data-driven approach, you can't figure that out, right? And that's where the data is the most important today. Got it. So, you know, you said this was a, obviously the journey of the industry and the consumer, but about your personal journey. I mean, when we met, we both kind of started these digital agencies around the same time. And actually, uh, I tell the story all the time about your former company, Targeted Victory. Uh, when I started my company about the same time, I couldn't even afford to get a hotel. So when I would fly to Washington, I couldn't even afford to fly to Washington. I'd fly Southwest to Baltimore and train into Washington. You guys were kind enough to let me sleep on the couch of the Targeted Victory house, um, which I've always appreciated. And I will always say good things about targeted because of that. Uh, and those good mm-hmm. memories, but you know, you and I started as political operatives around the same time. We started then as digital guys around the same time, but then somewhere along that journey, you became a product guy. Like, how did that happen? Uh, yeah, I mean the, so my background, um, for a long time, worked in politics, um, kind of came up through the field side, which is where a lot of us, you know, kind of cut our teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was really focused on uh, analytics and the modeling that was really starting to take off around, you know, Bush Cheney 04 and, and those times. And then um, 2007, 2008, I, I ran the national field program for the Republican National Committee. And so it was a, you know, about $120 million um, direct marketing campaign. We spent $55,000 online. Ouch. And you know, it was crazy. And we were kind of looking at the field and, and figuring out, well, why is this? Like, you know, I believe in digital. I'm a heavy digital user. Um, and really, it was just the there was almost a disconnect between the Silicon Valley in New York and us, right? Where, um, you know, they would, you know, all these companies would send someone in, you know, at that point it's like Yahoo and AOL. And those are the big companies would, would kind of parachute into DC in October and with a bag to put all the money in and be like, we're ready, you know, and we're like, oh, that money went out the door like eight months ago, right? When we wrote the plan for the campaign and, and looked at it like, well, we thought the intersection was going to be kind of modeling and audiences in video and like really like higher impact than direct mail or telemarketing. And that was digital, right? Like that was going to be the natural home. Uh, and so, you know, Zach Moff and I started Target Victory in early 2009, probably the worst time to start a company, um, you know, economic collapse and, and yeah. everything. Um, but, you know, really had a, had a good idea and um, kind of, you know, kind of grinded out for 10 months. It was just the two of us and, we were taking on anybody that we could get, you know, as a, a customer and really the people that thought different were the the people that, or had to think different, right. Cause they were underfunded or, um, and I think we got fortunate then the political cycle had a lot of upsets, right. To where that was really the first cycle where you could, you started to see people that didn't have much money, you know, take people out in primaries that were well-funded. So, yep. you know, uh, Susanna Martinez in New Mexico, I mean, Marco Ruby in Florida, like those were our really early customers because they lacked options too. Cause all the, the big firms went with somebody else. Yeah. Um, and, you know, kind of really developed a niche and and went from there. And then uh, you know, we're fortunate enough to work for um, you know, Governor Romney at that time in his presidential campaign and and learned a lot there. Like the key learning on the video was that they they picked an, an 80-20 split on was going to go to digital and eight, or 20% was going to go to digital, 80% was going to go to TV. And that was at that point very generous, like way Honestly, higher yeah. than that was way high for them. That was typically what I was getting like 10%. Oh, yeah. 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 And that was... Um, the number was probably like in the neighborhood being accurate. It was that, you know, we pick, um, you know, uh, at that point, you know, Congressman Ryan is the um, vice president nominee and we go into Florida, into the villages, we get 20%, you know, TV gets 80%. 
you know, probably should have been hundred percent TV at that point. Right. Cause we're talking yeah. to people at average age of 80, you know, same month we go into Northern Virginia and we're getting killed on, you know, um, all these issues with, you know, 35 year old females with a, you know, a graduate degree probably should have been like 80% digital, right? Because most of the ads are going into Maryland or the DC. And, and we started to dig in and say, well, why is this happening? Right. And so we thought, well, it's a data problem. Uh, and so we invested a lot of money in building out a analytics platform in, in 2013 that let you put TV and digital into the same, you know, CPMs, audiences, um, didn't really have any impact at that point to people because we're so used to buying gross rating points. And so we actually went in the next year and launched a linear buying team, 11 person linear buying team in, in our agency. Um, and that was like probably the least popular political thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Ever. Uh, but learned a ton. I mean, it was like, you saw the future and then, <clears throat> you know, for me, it was, um, kind of precursors of cross screen media. So. Yeah. I love it, man. So you've had an interesting journey and there's no way this has been easy. It hasn't been just a straight, you know, incline. You hadn't just been climbing the mountains the entire time. You know, 14 years I've been doing this and it's been a lot more peaks. I'm sorry, a lot more valleys than peaks, but let's dive into like a specific story of like a, a real hurdle you had to jump or a real uh, valley you had to cross. You there? Delusia? Oh yeah, well, I mean you had. Uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Oh, there you are. There, sorry, man. I, I lost it for a second. Oh, sorry. There you go. You're um, back. Yeah, I mean the obviously you know way more um, uh, valleys and peaks for sure. I think probably the biggest for for me was just the decision to to start a new company. Um, you know, you'd spend eight years kind of building. You know, uh, you know, pretty big. You know, I think we're about 140 people. Um, and I really wanted to go into the product side, which is kind of your earlier question and saw an opportunity to say, well, <clears throat> this is something that every ad agency could use, right? Like not just us, but I mean, everybody has this problem. Most people aren't crazy enough to try to build this themselves because it's also a terrible financial decision to do that inside of an agency. Um, but you had to start over you, um, you know, I brought 18 people over to start, uh, which also meant that, you know, we had to uh be able to pay their salaries you know and and yeah. that was a just the, that first year was um you know really challenging yeah i mean i've got to imagine that it was pretty it had to be tough because you had to have been feeling pretty comfortable by then right so you've, you've already created a thing you build it you went through the hardship of creating a company you got to over 100 staffers you were by far the the elephant in our industry and, and we were competitors and just everywhere I go, I'm bumping up against you guys. It was so hard to compete because you're just sucking the the oxygen out of the room every time. So you get kind of to the top and then you're just like, well, screw it. I'm going to leave it and just, <laughs> just do that whole fucking mess again. Like, was that what was going through? And what was going through your head to make you want to, to do that again? Uh, well, I mean, I, I was really interested in and in the opportunity, but obviously the risk was, <clears throat> you know, my um, failure rate was um, the likelihood of us failing was much higher than an agency failing. Yeah. You know, and uh, and there were so many things that could kill you, right? And so, so many things that could still kill us today um, that, you know, the uh, um, idea that, hey, you did this great thing, but then the next thing is going to be a flop. That's what people are going to, you know, think about. You just kind of got to race that out of your head and not, you know, not worry about that. Um yeah. 
but there's a lot of moving pieces. You know, you had to capitalize the company, you had to recruit the people, you had to recruit climate. That first year was just really, um, it was like, it was like launching the first company three times all at the same time. It was a lot. I mean, it takes a pretty big set of balls to, to leave like that comfort, you know, and that partnership that you already had and then jump over and kind of do it all again. Did you find in the beginning and even still today, because it's such an innovative idea, it was hard to sell to clients? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think if we didn't have the base in politics of people that were, you know, um, saw the future and, and really were aggressive. Like, I don't know that we could have been, uh, you know, based in LA or New York and just come up with this idea and started it and really had no home base and just went out and said, we're going to sell it all local media people. Um, the political part's been a blessing there, right? Because we, a, we have this test case where we can, we got so much feedback. So far. I mean, there were, um, you know, we had people, you know, want to be customers, want to be investors, like coming out of the woodwork early, right. That we didn't anticipate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we'd all been so such fierce competitors for so long, right? Like, and we were, um, you know, and that was, uh, you know, definitely a pleasant surprise. But um, I think without that, it would have been, t- you know, you couldn't have launched that big. You had to launch with three or four people and and um, kind of go out. But we'd recruit all these engineers, and and you know, we, uh, you know, letting all those people go would have also been, you know. St- really tough, right? Because, you know, we, we were able to hit a, hit the market with a product in nine months and get something out that we could sell to people. Was it like Jerry Maguire where you were just like leaving and you're like, who's coming with me? And everybody was like, oh, we're, we're coming with you. Or was everybody, were they excited or were they pretty nervous to jump ship from like, uh, a, I don't want, I don't know if jump ship's the right word because that, that would assume that the other company is sinking, right? When we know it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But were they excited or were they nervous? Did you have to build up morale? Like how did how did that go trying to get those people to come over to the new company? Uh I mean the people were awesome. People have been best the best part of it the whole time. Um it didn't mean that they weren't like concerned that they were not gonna get paid, right? You know, like three yeah. months from now they were gonna be, you know, because at this point, I mean remember it was like when we all started out, we could crash into those couches and we could, you know, go out and, and, you know, uh, now we have kids and like, that was yeah. that's probably the biggest thing about being an employer now is that like, I'm not just employing that person, I'm employing their whole family. Right. And that's the thing that weighs on me the most today. Right. I love hearing you say that because that's, that's me too. Like for it's two things. One, I can't risk it all. Like I used to. Right. I got three kids in private school, the wife who wants a certain standard of living when you're this age. And I guess that's why I was asking about you leaving and starting the new thing, because it's not like when you're just single and you could do whatever and you're living off beer and pizza. It's it's so much more risky when you've got the kids and the wife. And then, dude, you're right. What keeps me up at night is I see Jared, who is across the hall from me, who runs my political department. I'm not just, it's not just about Jared anymore. It's Jared, his wife, and his two kids. It's not just that one person, it's four people. And um, I, I think that's something that hits a lot of entrepreneurs that isn't said enough is how we're all, it keeps us up at night to worry about not just the employees, but their families. Oh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's the hardest part of this whole thing, man. Like, the, at least the emotional journey that I've gone through. So, how many employees are you at now? Uh, so, we're at, 40 in-house, then we got about 10 full-time contractors. 
Damn. So just and like 50 total people. That's that's amazing, man. I'm so happy for you. And are you doing pretty well outside of the political verticals now, or is it still mostly political? Uh, I mean, political is definitely our biggest vertical and you know, public affairs number two, but we're, um, you know, we've had a lot of success with, with actually media companies. That's our third biggest vertical. And those are our biggest yeah. individual customers. Um, you know, the local media buyer has been tough because they're just, um, you know, they're not, you, you got, you're probably, you're probably 10 years behind politics in, per, in terms of tactics. Right. And I think. The one interesting learning has been that I always looked at the 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 fact that in politics your customers go away every two years is like the, the biggest negative, which it yeah. you know, financially is. Tell me about but it. The fact that you start over every two years, as frustrated as we get with like the inertia. Think about a brand that's just had the same team for 20 years and has never like they just open the same spreadsheet every year and change it. And that is a lot of the and it's also national. I mean, it's not just a local thing. Um, that's been a much tougher world for us to crack. But we're going to do it for sure. All right. So is that that's the plan going forward? It's the corporate world. Yeah. I mean, more and more. Um, you know, I don't even. You know, I used to put in our like when I put in our investor deck to start that we would. You know, this is the point we'd become more than fifty percent political, or political would become our wouldn't be our biggest vertical. The political market's grown so fast, so. Mm-hmm. For video, where we're in, um, since 2018 to t- 2022, political grew $100 million in four years. The whole av- video for the rest of the country went up 44%. Yeah. So political is growing at three times the rate that the wider market is. Now, how long that can go on, who knows? But I remember when we started Target Victory, we showed Barack Obama's 2008 fundraising back to Bush Cheney in 2000. And it was crazy, right? How much it had grown. We're like, this put, can't possibly go on. Well, since 2008 to today, it's actually accelerated. And so, um, you know, we're 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 focused on on what our percent growth is in the new areas, right? Like, we want those to grow rapidly, but our political business organically is still growing, you know, really fast, right? And we don't, our team isn't growing at the nearly the same rate. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, that's that's been interesting to see, right? Because I thought, oh well. We've got 30 customers here, well, 35, you know, two years later, but those 35 people are each individually so much bigger than they were four years yeah. ago. Yeah. This is a struggle I go through, Michael, because, you know, everybody in politics wants to get in the corporate world. Everybody in the corporate world wants to get into politics. And, you know, I got Lauren's group it's doing very well. It's probably about 30% of our, our business, but I'm always asking myself, since politics is growing so rapidly and revenue is revenue, a dollar is a dollar, why am I not just throwing a hundred percent of my efforts just into the political sphere if it's continuing to grow? But the corporate world is just so sexy, you know, it's just that shiny object. I think all of us politicos want to go for. But to help me, uh, to, I'll ask you that to help me answer the question for me: <laughs> like, why wouldn't you just double down on that growing industry? Uh, well, I mean, I think we are. I think it's just identifying the right people, right? The fact that, um, you know, we we get judged a lot on software metrics, right? So um, customer churn is a big, huge number for us, right? So we want mm-hmm. to, um, we are hyper-focused on really investing in a few people and having yeah. a big, like we want to work with the same people for 20 years straight, right? Like, Yeah, the, you just can't do that in politics. 
Yeah. And so that's why we we work with, you know, like probably 30 different agencies that are in the kind of political public affairs sphere, but we've worked with those people, a lot of them for eight years now or six years now, and we'll work with them hopefully for yeah. 10 or 15 more years. And that that's been a blessing for us. So we, we've kind of had to, but it takes longer, right? Like in, uh, but we, uh, I think that is our future, right? Rather than, well, we're on the super pack is up for three months and they go away. We yeah. had to shy away from that for sure. So instead of, so, you know, you guys focus on me, for example, who would have 20 political campaigns. So you and I are building a relationship for decades and you're not having to worry about the relationship with the political campaign for 14 months and then an ending. Oh yeah. We're, I mean, obsessed with like, for my year's success, right? Like um, what's, you know, are we helping you win new business? Are we helping you, um, your, your team be more impactful? Are we helping you uh, be more efficient when you actually are running the, 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 you know, we're thinking through everything. And again, a lot of our learnings as an agency before we kind of know a lot of those pain points, right? So we like the, you know, if you looked at the the 10 numbers I look at every week, six of them are about like our customer's health, yeah. right. And what we can do. And that's, you know, we were laser focused on that. Got it, man. Well, I know you got to go. So I, we've known each other for a long time and I got on your email list and it became the favorite, my favorite email every week. And then from that, I sent it to my ad team. I was like, you need to get with these folks and we need to do business with them. And we worked together this past cycle on a lot of campaigns. I love what you're doing, but like for folks that want to just, I think they should get your email list and and just get on it for a couple months and then they'll see that they need to call you. Okay. Because the insights they'll be getting for free from your email list are awesome. So how do folks get on that? Uh, so you, you crossscreenmedia.com uh, or you know, michaelbeach.com, either one. Uh, there's a sign up. The newsletter's called State of the Screens. Um, yeah, it's been a, uh, really awesome to watch that they grow. Yeah. So if people just get the State of the Screens every week, read it like every Friday, I think. And then after 30, 60 days, they're just going to call you because the insights are already so great. But man, I really appreciate your time. I look forward to our continued partnership and uh, just watching your successes, man. I'm super happy for you. Yeah, man. I appreciate you. All right, brother. I'll see you.